Good morning. God bless you guys. You ready? Good, good. I feel like I got a, God's given me a good word for you this morning. Good word for me. That's what I was telling somebody the other day that I just, uh, I feel like every time I share a word, it's for me first and, uh, and then it's for you. Uh, not that it's left over or anything, <laughs> but it, it's just, uh, it's good, it's a good word. Listen, uh, on, uh, we, uh, uh, Friday night, I was here for a little bit, this place was crazy, um, I think they had close to 70 kids here on a Friday night for a youth group. It's, let me just say, it's more than they can handle, and uh, they need some more volunteers. And so uh, I, I just really would like to ask you to prayerfully consider, it's adult supervision is what they need. And uh, we're, you know, I'm blessed that, you know, that uh, the whole team uh, from the uh, Servant Council and Jason, Nora, and, and uh, Edward and Melissa are starting to help now, and, uh, but it's just, it's still more than they can handle, and they just need help. So uh, I want you to pray about it and see if you might be, you know, one of those, uh, a couple that would be willing to come in and, and help with these young people. So, um, as Nina mentioned, we have the uh, uh, barbecue uh, today after church. I want to encourage you to, you know, stay and be a part of that. Uh, this morning, I want to, uh, I'm going to start in the Old Testament. I did this a couple of weeks ago, just kind of went a little bit different direction then. Um, before I get started, I just want to ask, uh, let's just go to the Lord and just ask the Lord's blessing to be with us. Father, we want to just thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your presence. Uh, thank you for the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit this morning during our worship time and just our ministry time already uh, with our students and teachers, parents, Father. And we just ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. We welcome you here. And, God, we, we desire, we long to hear uh, your voice and uh, just your will. You tell us not to be ignorant, but know the will of God. Know the will of God for our lives, Lord. And we're praying this morning that that revelation would come true. We ask this in Jesus' name. I want to give you just, I want to, we're going to be talking about David this morning. Um, and um, I'm, I'm going to start, I, I just want to give you just a, a, just a quick review. Uh, and I'm just going to walk you through starting in, in 1 Samuel 16. Um, it says, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase some of this, okay? It, the scriptures will be on the screen and you can write it down. But 1 Samuel 16, Samuel shows up at Jesse's house. God has already rejected Saul from being uh, king of Israel, and so he's looking for um, the next king. And so he sends uh, Samuel the prophet to uh, Jesse's house, and he says it's going to be one of Jesse's sons. Jesse's son walked by him one by one, and God keeps saying, this is not the one, this is not the one, this is not the one. And uh, he asked, uh, uh, Samuel asked Jesse, he said, do you have any more children? And he says, I've got one more. Uh, uh, he's out tending the sheep. He was a shepherd. Uh, it was like, you know, shepherds, remember in, in Egypt when uh, uh, Joseph tells uh, Jacob and the family, he says to tell Pharaoh that you are shepherds because shepherds were despised 
um, and uh, uh, they, you know, the Egyptians didn't really want anything to do with them, and so they, they set them aside, gave them the land of Goshen, and, uh, and so uh, they called the, the little shepherd boy in who wasn't even invited to the meal. They're having a meal, and he wasn't even invited to this meal. You know, he's out tending the sheep. And uh, when he walks in, God says, this is the one, arise and anoint him with oil. So he's anointed with oil to be, what's he anointed with oil to be? Come on. King. Next king of Israel. Okay? Next chapter. After he's anointed with oil, he kills Goliath. I won't go into that story. You know it already. Uh, The next chapter. uh, Saul sends him on a mission. They go out. It says that he was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This is after he killed the giant. And this pleased all of the troops and Saul's officers as well. But when they returned home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs and timbrels and lyres. And they danced and they sang that Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Next chapter, it says, you know, this upset Saul. Saul's mad now, and he went from loving David and having David in the palace, and remember that there was an evil spirit from the Lord that tormented Saul, and David would play the harp and kind of soothe and quiet that spirit that was within Saul. But Saul continued to, you know, attempt to kill him, throwing a spear at him. It says twice that David eluded him. And then in chapter 19... Uh, Jonathan, Saul's son, says, look, my father, Saul, is looking for a chance to kill you. So, um, here's what I want to say to you guys. We go, and life's experience are just like David had. You will go from, from, you know, being, you know, the hero in Jesse's house, above all of his brothers, here's, you know, young uh, David, that has been anointed with oil to be the next king of Israel, going to out to conquering the giant. I mean, he's just climbing higher and higher and higher up the mountain, kills the giant, uh, a high rank in Saul's army, and, uh, you know, even moving higher up, and then comes to the palace, living in the palace, even married one of Saul's daughters, I mean, just gonna move. how high can you go? He's moving higher and higher, and that's exactly what thought, Saul thought. How high can you go? The next thing he's going to have is the throne. And Saul says in his heart he became envious and jealous of David, and then he began to try to kill him. And so David goes from, you know, living in the palace, and then I want to read this next chapter, or this, uh, yeah, chapter 22, a portion of it. And really, this is kind of what I want my message to be centered around this morning. Um, I told Amanda, she asked me what I was going to be preaching on. I told her spiritual warfare. And it's just like, you know, I couldn't get it. You know, I go home and it's just like I'm working on it, working on it. And it's like, it's not happening. Um, I should have titled it La Cueva. Uh, It said in 1 Samuel 22, you'll understand that in just a moment. Uh, David left Gath. Gath was one of the five major Philistine cities. It says, and David left Gath and escaped to a cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and his fathers and, and the household heard about it, they went down to him there. 
And those who were in distress, listen to this. Those that were in distress, this is going to be talking about a lot of you this morning. Those that were in debt, those were dis- that were discontented, gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. You know, here is the man that is anointed the king of the Israel. And now he's gone from the palace to a cave, living by himself in a cave. And I want to talk to you about the highs and lows and living life in a cave. All right. In Genesis, we see uh, Jacob has been anointed and blessed by uh, Isaac. Jacob got the blessing instead of Esau. Esau wants to kill him. He's got the blessing. Here can, here's the high. The blessing is the high. Jacob, or Esau wants to kill him. That's the low, the up and the down. And so Jacob flees to Padam Aram uh, and comes back. He comes back uh, with wealth and wives and children and abundance. And, uh, I mean, he's got all of these things, and he's still afraid that Esau wants to kill him. Um, if I said a shepherd in the Bible, who would you think of right off? the top of your mind. Who? David? Anybody else? Who else were shepherds in the Bible? Moses was a shepherd. Who else? Who? Jacob. You're right. All right. If I said a woman shepherd, who would you think of? Who? Song of Psalms, okay, but I'm thinking about a woman in particular. It says that she was a shepherd. Come on. Come on, Bible students. Come on. Come on. You know this. Who said that? Who said? Right. You're right. You're right. It says, look, it says in Genesis uh, 29, 9, Jacob goes up to the well. He meets a beautiful woman. Her name is Rebecca, and uh, they want her to roll away the stone uh, so they can get uh, water for the sheep. And it says in Genesis 29 9, you can look it up, because I did. 29 it says, and she was a shepherd. All right? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I didn't know that until last night. How many of you knew that before? Okay. All right, we're all, we're all in this together, all right? One person, maybe two. All right, okay, here comes the highs and lows for Moses. Moses is called. He's living in the palace. He's living in the palace of Pharaoh, and then all of a sudden, you know, he kills an Egyptian. He's driven out into the wilderness in the desert. He's also a shepherd there tending sheep. God calls him back. He's leading the, the children of Israel. You would think he, he gets them out of bondage, gets them out of the bondage of Egypt, Gets them into the, in, you know, over toward the promised land, not actually into the promised land. But then all of a sudden, their group of men, Korah and his guys, just they despise him and they want to kill him in number 16. In 1 Kings chapter, chapter 19, Elijah is on top of the mountain, on Mount Carmel. I mean, it's as high as you can get, and the fire of God comes down and kills. Uh, you know, uh, there's, I think, 400 or, or 800 uh, prophets that were 
were killed there that day. And a great revival breaks out in, in Israel. The children of Israel begin to proclaim, you know, they had drifted from God. They were away from God. But when they see the fire of God come down, the anointing of God come down and burn up the altar, their hearts turn back to God and they say they begin to declare the Lord, he is God. But then the next day, Jezebel, that was his high. The next day is his low. Jezebel wants to kill him. And then we see David anointed to be king of Israel. He's with his 600 men. This is just a, uh, you know, just a little time after this story that we're reading. They come back from the battle of, uh, or come back to Ziklag. The houses, their houses have been burned down. Their wives and children have been taken captive. And his, his very own men, these are his men. This is not just the regular army of Israel. These are his hand-picked chosen men. And now they want to kill him. And Jonah, Jonah brings one of the greatest revivals in the history of the Bible. I mean, the entire nation, I mean, or the city of Nineveh, has, has repented and turned toward God. And it says, listen to what he says. I mean, the very next day, he says, I am so angry with you, God, with God. I'm so angry with God that I wish I was dead. You can read that in Jonah chapter 4, verse 9. So, um, let me just read, you guys have been watching the Olympics, and I want to just read this account here of Michael Phelps that some of you may or may not know, but he says, as a child, I was an absolute failure. When it came to sports that involved kicking, throwing, or hitting a ball, I was a failure. Now he's uh, one of the most decorated, or is the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time. Um, and this is talking, this, this article is actually written in 2012. This is four years ago. Uh, it said that he'd won 22 medals, 18 of them were gold, and swimming in four of the Olympic Games. But even such a high level of success, this is his high, this is his high, could not prevent the despondency that he faced. In September the 14th, he even thought about ending his own life. Uh, he's uh, speaking with an ESPN reporter. He says, I was a train wreck. He says, I was like a time bomb waiting to go off. I had no self-esteem. Now think about this. He's won 18 gold medals and five silver medals, okay? Uh, or four silver, silver medals at that time. He says, I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. There were times that I didn't want to be here. It was not good. I felt lost. And photos begin to emerge of him smoking drugs, and he was arrested twice for drunk driving. Following the most recent encounter with the cops, he spent days wallowing in his bedroom, contemplating committing suicide. After his decision in 2012 to retire from swimming, his uh, life headed on a downward cycle of partying and drinking. And two years later, he was again charged with a DUI. He said, I was a train wreck. He retreated into a dark room at home where he didn't sleep uh, or eat for five days. And remember, David is anointed to be king of Israel, but he's running away and hiding in a cave. I'm talking to you about life in a cave today. I mean, here's one of the greatest athletes of all time that, you know, is, is hiding 
in a dark, dreary bedroom for five days without food, without sleep. It says, but then, I love this, it happens in the Bible all the time, but then God intervened through his Christian friend, Ray Lewis. Lewis called up his buddy and told him, this is when we fight. This is when real character shows up. Don't shut down. If you shut down, we all lose. And Lewis convinced uh, Phelps to seek help at a behavioral rehab facility in Phoenix and handed him the Purpose Driven Life book by Rick Warren. And Phelps checked into the rehab and started to flick through the pages of the book and called Lewis immediately. He said, man, this book is crazy. He said, the things that's going on in my life, oh my gosh, my brain, I can't thank you enough, man. You saved my life. And Phelps said, the book turned me into believing that there was a power greater than himself and there was a purpose for him for being on this uh, planet. Um, I'm, you know, you guys, you guys know the story that he's gone on 2016 Olympics. He won, I think, five, he's won five gold medals and another silver. Did he win another silver? One silver. Just think, I mean, if he had to quit, if he had to quit back then. So I want to talk to you this morning about license, or life lessons that we can learn in a cave. The first thing that I want to tell you that the cave is a very lonely place. And loneliness of life can be discovered in a cave. In Psalm chapter 25, verse 16, uh, and David is in a cave at this time. He is probably in the cave at Adullam where, uh, you know, when he writes this psalm. And you can look in the notes of your Bible, these next two scriptures, most of them will mention that. He says to uh, the Lord, he writes, Turn to me and be gracious to me. I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the trouble of my heart. Free me from this anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress. You know, there in the cave, all alone. Now, some of you, I mean, a cave can be so many things in life. I mean, your cave can be a bondage to drugs or alcohol or pornography or some kind of sexual addiction. Uh, your cave can be unforgiveness or bitterness or angry, you know, being angry at someone. Your cave can be at work or with your employee or with employers. I mean, your cave can be anything. There's so many things that your cave can be. But if you are stuck inside there, the rest of the world is not seeing the gifts and the talents that God had given you. Here we have the king of Israel, the future king of Israel, hiding in a cave, in a dark, dank, dreary cave, all by himself, alone and crying out to God. And then he says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and I lifted up my voice to the Lord for mercy, and I poured out my complaint. Before him, I tell him my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watches over my way. In the path where I walk, where, I, where people have hidden a snare from me, look and see, there is no one. He's talking about being so alone. He said, there's no one at my right hand, no one that is concerned for me. I have no refuge, no one cares for my life. And we have all been there. We've all been in that place where we are so alone that we don't even think that God is there anymore. And we're, you know, it's just like, I mean, you are by yourself. You are by yourself and you are in this fight alone and by yourself. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, my friends, you've got to come out of this thing. Now, some of you have been in a cave for 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, and today is a good day to get out. Don't you think so? Wouldn't this be a good day to get out of the cave? 
You know, he goes on to say in Psalm 13:1, "How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How, uh, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever?" How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day, and not, uh, day after day, uh, uh, have, I have sorrow in my heart. And he feels like he's there in this cave. And as I mentioned that uh, these psalms, several of these psalms were written from the cave as he's hiding there all by himself, alone, isolated from the rest of the world. The future king of Israel. And then the second thing that I believe that we realize from the cave, and I believe that David realized this from the cave, he says, he realizes, I believe, that he's not alone in the cave. Because he writes this Psalm 139. And he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. We're talking about, remember, we're talking about the highs and the lows. When, when, if I go to the highest place, you're there. If I go to the lowest place, God, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand, hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness, even the darkness of a cave, will hide me, and light will become night around me. Even darkness will not be dark to you, and night will shine like day. For darkness is as light to you. That's from Psalm 139. And then he says in Psalm 46, I think that David's kind of like coming to his senses in the cave. God is our refuge and our strength and an ever-present help in a time of trouble. And then I think the most important thing that we realize when we're in the cave is that we discover our identity. You really discover who you are in the cave because the cave is either going to make you or the cave is going to break you. Uh, anybody ever hear of a, a man by the name of Benjamin Kyle? Anybody know who Benjamin Kyle is? You know why you don't know who he is? Because Benjamin Kyle doesn't know who he is. He was found beaten, robbed, and naked and unconscious behind a Burger King in Atlanta, Georgia. And when he woke up, he had amnesia. And he didn't know who he was. And he's been like that for eight years, not knowing who he is. He can't even get a job because he doesn't have a Social Security card. There's been many hundreds of thousands of people that have have written a petition to uh, President Obama to get the guy a new Social Security number so he could at least get a job. He doesn't know who he is. And I want to tell you that like David in that cave and like many Christians today, we don't know who we are. We've lost our identity. We've lost our way. But when David's brothers and his father's household heard about it, it says... They went down there to him. They went down to the cave that David was alone in. 
And we don't know how long that he was alone in that cave, but his family heard that he was there, and they went to his rescue. And then those who were in distress and debt and discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. And all of a sudden, I believe in David's heart and in David's mind, his mind goes back to many, many years ago when an old man prophet by the name of Samuel came to him, poured oil on him and said, son, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And I think that David starts to see, it starts to happening. God starts to make it happen. There are those that are gathering around him, not to express sympathy to him. They come to him because they recognize in him that he is the next king of Israel. And they want to follow the right king. And all of a sudden, David begins to see himself in a different light. Not this poor young boy hiding in a cave. It's time to get out of the cave. It's time to be who God created me to be, the next king of Israel. It's time for you to get out of the cave and be who God has called you to be. Because I see in this room today, I see kings and I see queens they're stuck in caves. And you've been in, in the bondage of a cave, and God is saying, today, you know what? It's time to get out. And, and recognize your identity in Christ. They saw something in David that David really didn't even see in himself, and that as they begin to gather, all of a sudden, something begin to stir within him. Uh, many of you will remember from your... Uh, history studies, uh, and I think it's uh, pronounced Belize. We know him as Pascal. Pascal was a French mathematician born June, 20, uh, uh, June 19, 1623, and he died at the age of uh, 39 at uh, August 19, uh, 1662. He was a French mathematician, a physicist, inventor, writer, and a Christian philosopher. Uh, he, he began his great work when he was only 16 years old. And uh, he came to know the Lord and began to serve the Lord with his life. But he said, not only do we know God by Jesus Christ alone, we know ourselves only by Jesus Christ, we know life and death only through Jesus Christ. And apart from Jesus Christ, we do not know what is our life, nor our death, nor God, nor ourselves. We only know life through Jesus Christ. And that's what Satan is attempting to do. That's what Satan was trying to do with, with David in the cave. Just keep him in the cave. Keep his gifts and his talents in the cave, in the darkness, locked up in the darkness, and God's saying, you know what, man, I created you. I created you with a plan and a purpose. And I gave you gifts and talents. And with those gifts and talents, you can shake up this world that we're living in. You can shape and change the world that we're living in. If you'll come out of the cave and let me express myself through you, we can change the world. That's what God's saying today. All right. I'm going to. Just imagine, imagine what life would have been like. Imagine what Israel would have been like. You know, when, when, uh, when Jews talk about 
you know, great kings of Israel, David is the number one. I mean, David is the king of Israel. But can you imagine what life in Israel would have been like without David being king? I mean, he was responsible. He, 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 he gathered the money to build the temple. He, God revealed to him the plans to build the temple. I mean, he was a great conqueror. He conquered many, many nations, drove out the enemies of Israel. Can you imagine what life would have been like without David? Israel would have been oppressed. They would have not had the temple. They would have not had, you know, the worship that goes on, the singers and the musicians and all of that that goes on if this great man of God would have stayed hidden in the cave. And God called him out. He called him out, and he's calling you out. The Bible says that, you know, that about Satan, and he'll speak to you, and these are the words that he speaks to you, that you, you'll never amount to anything, you're worthless, you're, you know, you're stupid, you know, you're ugly, you don't have any gifts, you don't have any talents. But you know what the Bible says in John chapter 8? That when he speaks, Jesus is talking about Satan, that he's speaking a lie because he is the father of all lies. And when he's speaking to you about what you can't do, that you'll never be, you'll never succeed, in, in the natural, that's probably true. But I want to tell you, in the supernatural, and that's where we are, we're the very presence of God. And when God comes in, when a supernatural God comes in to live within you, because the Bible says that your body is the temple of the living God, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, when God comes in to live with you and live in you, things begin to change. This is what the Word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says that you, you, are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness, called you out of the cave. He's called you out of the cave into His wonderful light. Once you, have, uh, once you had no identity, and see, if you don't have identity, if you don't know who you are in Christ, you just stay in the cave because the cave is comfortable. I mean, the cave is a good place to be if you don't know who you are. But when you recognize that you've been called to be the king of Israel and you're hiding in the cave, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, it's time to get out. It's time to get out. It's time to come out and be the man and the woman of God that he's called you to be. And don't be oppressed. Don't be suppressed by the enemy. Don't let him keep you down. Don't let discouragement or disappointment or bitterness or these, uh, you know, these things in life that hinder us, what I think I should be, where I want to be, don't let these things hinder you. You look to God and you look to His Word. You listen to His Word. He says, therefore, and I think that this phrase, uh, in Christ, I think it's repeated about 140 times in the Bible. In Christ. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ today? All right. Let me ask you again. Are you in Christ today? All right. If you are in Christ, and the Bible says that you're a new creation, 
And it says it's time to get out of the cave. I just added that. But it's true. You are a new creation, and a new creation doesn't stay in the cave. Old things, the cave has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Ephesians chapter 2.10, it says that we are His workmanship created in Christ for good works. You were created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Romans chapter 8. There is now, now there's no, therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You know, you can stay in the cave or you can recognize your true identity and come out. That you are a man or woman that's been born again from God, by God, for a purpose, to work for God. And, you know, don't, don't let your identity be the cave. You know, I mean, you know, I, I hear people say all the time, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a drug addict or, you know, I'm an alcoholic or whatever it may be. You know, you know, that when you're in Christ, you are a new creation. And that may, don't, that's not your identity now. That may have been who you used to be, but you're, that's not the person that you are now. I mean, the power of the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And the Bible says, if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Now, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about it. There's a lot of great miracles that Jesus did in the Bible. One of them was the raising of the dead of the, uh, the widow of Nain. Her son was being carried to a, in a funeral procession. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 stop this thing. And he speaks to the young man. And just totally wrecks the funeral. Because <laughs> there's nobody to bury. He's alive. He's alive. And the same thing is true with Lazarus. When he calls Lazarus up out of the tomb, you know, no more weeping and mourning. There's no need to weep and mourn anymore because he's alive. And I'm going to tell you that when God, when the power of God begins to work in you, life is different. Your life will absolutely be different. And he'll get you out of the cave. And I think that's what happens. You know, when you get into the cave, you know, you're alone and, and you're mad at the world and you're mad at, you know, your husband, your ex-husband or your ex-wife or your girlfriend. You're mad at life, mad at God. You're just upset with the world and you just want to hide away. And God's saying, you know what? I, I created you for better stuff than this. I created you for better things than this. Get out of the cave. I want you to come out and stand and see the light of the morning sun. And I'm talking about the S-O-N sun. I want you to see the light of the morning sun because he's ready to rest upon you and get you out of the cave. And he wants to show you to the world. He wants to show you to the world. Won't you stand with me for a moment? And I'm going to ask our prayer ministers if you guys will just go to that wall. Everybody that's a prayer minister, deacons and elders, and if you feel called to pray this morning, I want you to go stand against the wall. And I want to speak to the rest of you right now. If you feel like you've been spending a lot of your life in a cave and that God's got better plans for you and got better things for you to do, I want to ask you, I'm going to even ask some of our young people. I see Tim. Where do I see Tim? And... Right there, Tim, if you'll move over there. And Greg, if you'll move over there. Uh, so some of our young people will have somebody else that they can go pray with. And uh, I want you to just close your eyes for a second.
and bow your head, and I want to ask you just a couple of questions. First of all, I want to just ask you that if your life was over today, if your life was over today, would you stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and would you hear him say to you, son or daughter, you've lived a good life, and I'm pleased with the things that you've done. Well done. You've lived a good life. Well done, good and faithful servant. You, you accepted my son Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You repented of your sins. Well done. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Or would he say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. And if you're concerned about your salvation today, and you want to make sure that when you close your eyes for the last time, that when you wake up, the first face that you see will be the face of God. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. If you, if you want to make sure that the first face that you see, you're not sure right now, but you want to make sure that the first face that you see when you close your eyes is the face of God, and not the face of an angry God, not the face of a bitter God, but the face of a God saying, I recognize you as one that accepted my son Jesus, and I've opened the books, and now I see your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I just simply want you to pray this prayer with me. I say you can put your hands down. There's about a half a dozen hands that are up. You can just simply pray this prayer. There's no magic prayer, and there's no correct way to say this. You just kind of say it from your heart that you know what kind of life you've lived. You know the sins that you've committed. You know the rebellion that you've had in your heart toward God. You know how you've neglected His Word, neglected prayer, neglected that you know, you've kind of lived life for yourself, but you come to a place today where you're saying, Lord, I'm tired of this. I, I've tried to be in control of my life and I've made a mess of it. And I'm asking you to take control today. I'm asking for you and your son Jesus to come and live in my life, live in my heart, live within me. I'm asking that you would forgive me my sins. I, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, let's all say it together, Jesus Christ is Lord. We're going to try that again because you're a little weak. All right? The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. And if you said that, if you believe in, if you confess with your mouth just now, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God, that you raised him from the dead. The Bible says that you would be saved. So I want to just give you an opportunity now. If you prayed that prayer, I want to just assure you that God heard that prayer. He has taken heaven's pen and written your name in the Lamb's book of life. But I want to pray now and just ask some of you. Uh, we've got prayer ministers all over the room that want to pray with you. And if you've been living life in a cave... For the last six months, for the last six years, for the last 15 or 20 years, you've been stuck in the cave because of sin, 
or because of unforgiveness, because of some kind of bitterness or disappointment. I want you to just go, go pray with somebody. Just go, just leave right now. Just go, go, go over there and hook up with, you know, somebody over here in the, you know, against the wall. Please, please. People are moving all over. You're not, you're not by yourself. Go ahead, just move, move. Okay, just go pray with somebody right now. Somebody, there's somebody who wants to pray with you. If you're stuck and you're living life in a cave, and God's saying, "I want to get you out today. I want to cause my anointing to come upon you today. I, I want to just bless you today." I want to put you on display. I'm going to get you out of the out of the cave, and I'm going to put you on display so the world can see kings and queens and sons and daughters of the living God. Come on, come on. There's still we got. Uh, there's a half a dozen people that are looking for somebody to pray with, and they want to pray with you. Okay. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. You know. Go, let somebody pray with you. Let somebody pray with you. All right. So. We've got some, uh, I think we have some ministry music that we're going to be playing uh, right now, and uh, I'm going to speak a blessing over the rest of you, and, and, uh, and then it's, uh, it's go time. Uh, you know, I hope you would stay and uh, partake. We've got uh, a great crew. They prepared barbecue chicken and barbecue beef. And uh, food's going to be great. The fellowship's going to be even better. Why don't we just, uh, let's pray and ask God's blessing on our food and thank God for the time we've had today. Father, we bless you. Thank you for your word this morning, God. We thank you that you are so faithful, God, that you do not leave us in those dark places of life. Lord God, we understand the highs and the lows, and sometimes those low places cause us to want to crawl into a cave and stay there. But God, you are so faithful, you will not leave us there. You're, you're saying that I got a better plan for your life. I've got a better plan for your life, Lord. And I pray that your anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit would fall upon each of us, Lord God, that we would shine like the noonday sun, Lord. Your word says, arise and shine, for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen. The glory of the Lord has risen. And let the glory of the Lord rise upon you. I ask that in the name of Jesus. And if you agree, let's just give God a big shout right now. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.